part two, and this one's going to be a doozy. By the way, if you missed part one, it's going to be labeled quarterback draft or some variation. Don't miss it. That's all I'm going to say. Don't miss it. AJ feels very good. He's wrong. <laughs> now, speaking of wrong, is it wrong? Well, first, what is the pronunciation of this guy's name? Is that wrong? Sham Shrami. Shrania. Urania. I don't understand. Uranium? Shams? Charania. Okay, now, AJ, you're I thought it was Shams Charania. Yeah, that's what I heard. Now, Jonas Knox, three years on SOV, I don't think he ever mispronounced a name. He's good. No, he's good pronounced and smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he used to say something. It didn't sound any, like anything that AJ or that uh, Scott said. I mean, McKenzie would probably have the best inside. He, he follows the NBA the closest. Oops, Jonas Peep. says hi. Oh, does he? Yeah, a couple That's months cool. ago. Sorry. People say Sharania. That's definitely far more common, say but I just bye. looked it up, and um, Google says Sharania with an A. Wow. Sharania. Hmm. Professional broadcaster Scott Seidenberg. <laughs> AJ, amateur, aspiring. <laughs> All right. So why are we talking about this guy? Set it up, Scott. What happened? So during or the day of the NBA draft, the odds for the second overall pick completely flip-flopped after a Shams tweet that, that detailed that Scoot Henderson was getting momentum at the number two overall pick with the Charlotte Hornets. So prior, yep. prior to Shams' tweet, Brandon Miller was the overwhelming favorite to be selected number number two. He was minus 900 to be the set at Caesars Sportsbook. After the Shams tweet, the odds completely went down. People were betting it. Caesars took it off the board. And then when Caesars put it back up, Scoot Henderson was minus 800 and Brandon Miller was plus 400. Hours later, more information comes out. Brandon Miller then becomes the favorite once again, minus 225, minus 500. Brandon Miller gets selected second overall. Now, my understanding was, and I wasn't actively betting the draft, this thing roller coaster three or four times yes. in the last like 10 days, right? Yes. Now, let's start with just giving me a little credit here. Wouldn't we agree, Fez, that my belief that play anyone viable once they become a big underdog in any of these bets, because people look at this information, and back in the day, it was only great information the day of the event would move stuff. Now, rumors, innuendo, whatever seems to be moving stuff. And if all you did was say, I'm going to take guy A at his low point or seeming low point, and guy B at his seeming low point, you could have had what? Both these guys like a five to one. Exactly. And the poster child of this was probably in the NFL draft when Will Levis's, I don't know, acquaintance, family, someone tweeted, oh, he's going. He's well, going. No, no, no. I think this was something on Reddit. Yeah. yeah somebody on Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it just, and the whole market just went, just flipped upside down based just upon that one thing. So, in general, the. Sensitivity of the market to these rumors is so strong that fading these rumors, you can likely often get both sides or all three sides in whatever situation that it is at a good plus money price. You aren't going to be guaranteed that. 
But man, oh man, when you're getting five, six to one, you don't have to bet that much. I think it's generally, I know the last couple drafts, if you had just done that blind every time. Now, when do you when do you jump in? Doesn't really, I mean, you try to time it, but it doesn't matter. Once you see the thing jag up big, you let it run, you see when the momentum stops. And then you go the other way. Now, sometimes it's going to reverse itself before you have a chance to bet it. But in general, I like that approach. Yeah, I, I love it. And just and if you're on top of the market and you see Shams give this out and you and and you get it right as he's doing it, you're like, oh, everyone's going to bet that. Let me bet it before the market goes haywire because it's likely going to go haywire within hours. Uh, on the morning of the 22nd, within hours, you could have had both Scoot Henderson at plus 300 and Brandon Miller at plus 400. All right, so McKenzie did a good thing here. Here's a timeline, and this is fascinating. So March 29th, Henderson, to be the second pick, was minus 350. 350 wins you 100. All right, the night of the lottery, the actual ping pong balls, Miller was minus 200. Okay? Monday before the draft, Henderson was minus 260. Wednesday before the draft, the day before the draft, Miller minus 400. After Sharana Anus's treat <laughs> on draft day, Henderson minus 400. So Wednesday night, Miller minus 400. After Sean's treat, Henderson minus 400. A few hours afterwards, Miller minus 150. Like a freaking roller coaster. Yeah, and in this case, actually, all the money on Miller. For most of the most of the period, and then a complete roller coaster reversal here with Shams, you know, um, posting the fact that oh, Scoot Anderson's in yeah, strong yeah. consideration. But yep. Regardless of the TikTok, it was just boom, boom. All this can't be good information. This isn't right. <laughs> I, I like your both sides now. A little Joni Mitchell reference here, you know, getting plus three hundreds in both directions can't be wrong. The the bows and flows of the clouds are really pretty. Are you smoking weed now, Fez? <laughs> that sounds like mushrooms. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Someone told me that, that mushrooms are going to be legal in, in Nevada. What? Yeah. Colorado's legalizing it uh, oh. post-haste. How do you know about this, Mackenzie? Friend of a friend. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Used to dabble. Mushrooms right. are illegal? <laughs> not, it, the, not the kind that, that costs 200 a pound that, that, or 200 an ounce <laughs> and shave yeah, off yeah. in the restaurants. That's, you that's truffles. Yeah. Uh, so the Shams tweet was this. Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Brandon Miller. Team has final meetings today to settle on a decision. Now this... All right, so, t- so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You've got a pretty strong take on that. Let, let, let's bring it in with a little something. Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh, I wanted to read first the Woj tweet. Here's a theory. Uh, <laughs> because I wanted you to, I want to compare this because everyone. Was, you got to lead with your premise. My premise is, is that the fact that Shams works in cahoots with FanDuel Sportsbook. He works, not in cahoots. Yeah. He works for them. <laughs> he is a FanDuel partner, and he hosts a show on FanDuel TV. So he provides content for the sportsbook. No, no, no. He provides sp- content for the audience, but the sportsbook is funding it. Correct. I'm not accusing him of manipulating the market by sending out this tweet. But the fact that he does have a relationship with the sportsbook, as well as having inside information, because he is one of the most respected NBA insiders out there, anything he says is going to move the market. And you cannot 
it's just a bad look to me to be associated with a sports book when you are in a position to move the market. Okay. So here's what I want to do. There's a lot of law. This is an issue that is very, it's tentacles reaches far and wide. And the reason being, these sports books are billion dollar operations, you know, 20, whatever. What's the market cap right now, Mackenzie, of, you know, pick one, uh, DraftKings, let's say. Um, I know at a time, I think it was over 20 billion. Now, I don't know now. We'll see. Um, they can buy, you know, networks. They can buy TV stations. They can buy whatever and produce whatever. They want a serious channel, they're going to have it, right? If they want whatever. So the question is, where do they spend their money and should they be restricted, at least by the market, meaning people not liking it? If they spend their money in a way that's providing information. Now, you're going to make the case there's a big distinction between a reporter who's investigating and breaking news and an analyst. Because any of these, like DraftKings TV or whatever, the DraftKings Network, that is them paying analysts to provide picks, literally. Someone would say, Shams isn't giving you a pick, he's giving you information. Mm -hmm. And when person X or Y or even pregame, we make a pick. Now we're not a sports book, but if a sports book bought us, I, you know, to me, anytime there's been a major sports book investor in any media company, I always say, wow, there seems to be a potential of an intrinsic conflict of interest just at the core. But let's get into this idea, uh, and you can pick the order, Scott, of how this is different. Versus generally with media companies owned by sports books, whatever way you want to go with it. I think it's different because he's not like the other hosts that give out information. He has an inside. It's almost when you say inside. He's he's a reporter. He's yes, he's a reporter that breaks news, and so obviously when he sends something out on social media. Every, the market responds because people are going Because he has to, a history of his news being correct. Exactly. Play, people have this influence. Woj and Shams are the two NBA guys. Mm -hmm. Schefter and the NBA or, or, or the NFL. NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, other like right, maybe so, it's Lock and Four or whoever, the NFL Network, Rappaport, right? So it's, you know. I don't trust Rappaport. Either way, one of the NFL guys, you can say. When they say something, people will immediately run mm -hmm. to bet based on that information. Yeah. And I think that by having an association with a sports book, it, I'm not saying that it's true. No, I, we get that point. But, but what I'm saying is, you, why it, is it di Do you believe that a company uh, like the DraftKings network of, of, of analysts, you believe that's inherently conflicted? No, but I think that people can question it. And mm -hmm. if you can question it, I think that's a problem. So, so then, so under that theory, see, to me, that's an interesting bar because if someone's being irrational, and I'm not saying they are, but if they're being irrational, a business can't build, can't worry about that. Now, if it ends up being a preponderance of people are irrational, then you got to worry as a business. Let's, I mean, we're going to have to drill into this a little bit. Fez, what's your gut instinct? You know, it's interesting because to use a comp, I think every single sports book manager is asked who they like in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And they give out the information. No one would ever say, oh, you're influencing who your clients well, or mean, customers they, are going to bet, right? Well, in well, here's what I can tell you. As someone that's had information out there nationally, pick-related, you know, as much as anyone over the recent years, 
I would say the thing I used to get was, oh, I bet you're giving that pick on Colin's show because the sports books are paying you. They need yeah. action on that side. You hear that all again lately, not as much, just because I think people are getting a little more sophisticated. But the thought was that, hey, it's time for me to do my Saturday report. I get a call from the sports book. We need action here, here, and here to even the books. And then supposedly that's what a picker will give. Mm. Now, uh, go ahead. Uh, the difference, though, between what you guys are talking about in this situation is you guys don't – there's no way for you guys to know who's going to actually win the game. Like, there's the, no way but, – but, but the, well, well, no way to know for sure. Right. Well, obviously, no one knows for sure because last year, Woj had a mistake on the number one pick. Sure. So, but the assumption is that's a guy you trust who may have inside information, and you say, well, oh. "I don't see this idea of what's inside information. What is that?" Hearing it first person account. Okay, hearing so it from, from somebody, Michael Jordan. No, but somebody inside the organization. But hearing how, how do we know? To the how GM, do, whatever. But how do we know if they're not putting it out there because they want to trade? How do we? I mean, I guess to some degree, it's called the lying season, right? But let's say it's not the lying season, right? Let's say that. Um, all right, so during the election in 2020, there was an active market, all, actually all the way up to the inauguration, that market stayed open. Yes. Because in theory, there could have been who knows what, right? Mm -hmm. Who was going to be president on January 21st or whatever was the market. Many books didn't make payouts for months after the election. Yeah, now that was, I think that was a little shaky. Yeah. But in general, I think there was still, I remember like a 4%, like a couple days before, the market still had a 4% uncertainty built into it. Um, so if I remember correctly, now imagine if in this case, at the time president Trump walks out and says, I concede. All right. Now, all of a sudden that market's going to make a huge adjustment instantly. You are getting it from the horse's mouth. How's that? A now, if someone that was known as a Trump confidant, as a reporter comes out and says, I hear Trump is likely to concede in the next half well, hour. Well, that's a great uh, comp, I think. That's that would be an analogy. Yes. Right? And would that be wrong? For I mean, like it would be questioned if that person worked for a sports book. Okay. Yeah. But if we set the bar to be questioned, that means you're not buying. You you got to either believe it's a a, a com valid complaint or not. Do you believe it's a valid complaint? I think the complaint is valid. Yes. Okay. Do I think it actually happened? No. Okay, but. So I guess my I'd, I'd let it go to trial, but he would be acquitted. Okay, all right, but <laughs> the, the person given the picks in this case, or, or given the, the news. Okay, yeah, the case. There's strong enough evidence to let it go to trial, but it would never pass through the jury. <laughs> all right, so well, I, I disagree with this because there, there's clearly not any any kind mm -hmm. of evidence because even the, the was, way he phrased yeah. the way he phrased it, mm -hmm. he didn't even say he he just said, "Oh, there's strong momentum." I mean, that's I mean, it was a pretty wussy statement, you know, in terms of he didn't say he's he's likely going number two. I mean, he's just no one who read that carefully would ever make a bet, and yet it still moved the market, you know, well, a ridiculous amount. I don't think that's true, Feds, because no, maybe not bet that not bet it at minus seven hundred. Yeah, but if it's the underdog, you're right. He's, right? he's picking it's, up it's strong one piece of information. He's picking up strong momentum makes me think, oh, you know, it could and happen. enough people did bet it that yeah. Caesars took it off the board and then had to put it back up. And when they put it back up, it was minus nine hundred. Here's the thing that I think the, the a way this could be nefarious, not this, but where someone in that role, and that would be the following. If Shams had a commitment because of the contract that was private to give his information first 
to the sports book. Yes. All right. And then maybe it's even within 90 seconds, he tweets it out. Now, the theory is the sports book would avoid those two or three limit bets they'd get hit with. And you know what? I wonder if that's wrong. If you have him as a reporter who also provides internal information, why would that be wrong? And I think so, it comp- so the market moves before. Well, the not the market. Moves, he, the the book one moves, book moves. The yeah. book moves before the market. Yeah. A, a comp would be like one of these Mad Money type of shows mm-hmm. where the guy obviously people know which stocks he's going to like recommend, and so that word goes out to the the, the insiders know beforehand. And because well, it's pre recorded, yeah. So someone has. So by the time you're, people that used to, the thing I heard was. Jim Cramer we're talking about, right? Yeah. Is that you could call up and ask him questions. People would call up and just sit because you could hear the show in the background. Is that right? Yeah. So, but here's the thing. Let's not compare it to inside or to the stock market or, or, or the financial markets because they are very strict, though they're not always properly yeah. policed. But there's very strict insider trading laws. And like literally you can't, you know, when people are saying this is not financial advice, when they talk stocks, they're just trying to protect themselves from the very strict rules about this. So in general, this is maybe it should be maybe, you know, I often said the injury situation where the teams are misreporting it is like, you know, miss information from this from the principles of the company effectively i think that's a problem but we're not there yet Uh right i just wonder to me what the responsibility is of an employee of DraftKings or of FanDuel or any book really is I think it's important that they are clear about their responsibilities, meaning they say they never give us, we never get information directly from him, might be a pledge mm-hmm. they could make, right? Um, that's a good call. Yeah, I that's mean. interesting. But, but here's my question, is I think it hurts the books to have false information out there. Because you just said it, that move wasn't mm-hmm. a bunch of money. It pretty much froze the market. Yeah. Right. To the point of Caesars taking it off the board. So, like, I don't even see what the advantage could be unless they give it to him early. Then he tweets it out. But, Fez, do you see any advantage of of taking something that's like plus 300 and moving it to minus 900 the other way that's wrong? No. There's not that many bets that are going to be made wrong that that it's worth freezing the market like that. I agree. The key is, is there a lag where they can go where they can go ahead and and have people, you know, uh, make tweak it the, tweak the tweak the line. Yeah, tweak the line enough that you're guaranteed that you're essentially betting, betting it, you're front front loading the information. But here's here's the other thing: you keep making a big distinction, Scott, between the analyst and the reporter. Mm-hmm. And the distinction probably is about now. Here's the thing: if it was about an injury, let's say that he was reporting on injuries, so this isn't an informational. Absolutely, if he has it from the horse's mouth and it goes through with it, it's right. This is just an, a, a factor in the game, a handicap. Fez might say, "I don't think this injury matters," and then Schefter comes on and says, "This injury is major. He fifty percent chance to play." Now, Let, do you get, think that's okay? I was going to give like an example, like Go ahead. With Shams, especially like okay, NBA Finals. Shams tweets out, I'm hearing Jimmy Butler's probably, you know, not. I'm hearing the, the Miami Heat are strongly considering sitting Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. The market's now going to flip on its head okay. so in that game. Is that wrong? And is that wrong of him to tweet? Yeah. Because what he can't do his job otherwise. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that, then, no. 
I don't think that's wrong of him to tweet. But the question is, should should the but now if Jimmy Butler winds up playing, then people are going to question. Well, did he tweet that out on purpose because he works for the sports book and he want they wanted to move the line on the Heat game? And and if he's wrong a good bit, let's just say this: he'll get banged in the minds of batters so much when he's wrong, mm-hmm. he'll get even. In theory, he should get more conservative, or he's going to burn all his equity. He can't be wrong all that much. I was going to say that's sort of the risk you take. Like if you're doing this for Fanduel, if you're saying, "Okay, I'm going to do you a favor, Fanduel," you're hurting your credibility. And how many times can you do that before people say, "This guy doesn't know what the, what he's talking about." Uh, who, we were just talking about wh- who is the guy you just said you don't trust in the NFL? Um, Rappaport. Rap- so for me, it was Chris Mortensen. Like eventually, he was wrong enough times that I was like, "Nah, I- I'm unfollowing you, Chris Mortensen. I don't believe you." And does this extend if someone has a sponsorship? Let's say a sports book doesn't own a company, but they're spending real money. Let's say The Ringer. Mm-hmm. So The Ringer makes millions. I'm guessing, you know, from what I hear, millions of dollars yep. from the sports books, and. They actually have same game parlays and stuff such that are boosted, yep. that are especially given from Bill Simmons and or or Ryan Russell or whatever. That mean matters what the sport is, what the situation is, in which they say this usually would pay plus three twenty. We're gonna make it play plus three seventy. I was wondering where those were coming from. Uh, what one? The, 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 why they chose certain things to be boosted? I'm like, why is that? Oh, it's like. <laughs> and the theory is the 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 listener got extra incentive yeah. to play now. If Bill Simmons has inside information, as we're calling it, but he's just got information effectively, mm-hmm. should he not be able to put it out? No, and and no, no, not at all. But I think the difference is that Simmons is he, is he the one getting the inside information, or is he getting the information from somebody but, like a, a, a reporter? But but but, but it's still this, you don't yeah. think these reporters are hearing from people that talk to a principal? Sure. I mean, and plus they're not even talking what their sources are. It's always a generic from people that would know mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing: isn't there motivation for Bill Simmons to give losers? It, I mean, there's there's millions of dollars that's going to be bet. On his same game parlay in a given week, if he wins forty eight percent of them or fifty four percent of them, that could be big money. The difference between the two. Why not just try to go opposite of his and fan do? And th- that's always the catch twenty two when a book and a information source are in bed together. Mm. Now, if there's a percentage of losses involved, which are used to be a lot, that's even worse because the theory is he's incentivized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I don't think that happened. Effectively, he's incentivized now because the more money at the end of the term of that contract, that deal, they're going to say, how much did we make from this? Mm-hmm. And if their betters lose, which Simmons is giving them the picks, they're going to be more likely to re-up for more money when the deal is up. So everyone has motivation, it seems, in media that has any dealings with a sports book to not maybe be a completely forthright. Right? I guess you can question everybody then. I mean, I question, I think Bill Simmons got more at stake than, again, he doesn't own the whole company anymore because he sold it to Spotify. But if he was still the owner of the, you know, principal owner of the ringer, and and I don't know, is it 5 million? Is it 10 million? I mean, he's got to be making a lot, right? So let's say it's 5 million. If you're keeping a $5 million deal, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would maybe, first of all, I don't think Bill Simmons' picks are anything but a coin flip in, in the NFL, I think in the NBA he's better. 
Um, and maybe with futures. I mean, I don't want to admit. I mean, let's just say this. There's not a lot of people whose opinion in the NFL means a lot to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he would be amongst a group of very, you know, intelligent people, great businessman, not an NFL expert. He'll admit that. But he's given – now you can talk about the ethics of that. Like, does it make – and I'm not saying this is wrong, but if you got a guy who's not a professional handicapper who doesn't have a at least a pedigree that would say this guy can help me win. Well, now you're getting to a whole bigger issue with the entire landscape of the media as it exists right now. Go ahead. Because there's – because sportsbooks are involved with every media outlet, mm-hmm. and there are people that don't bet, never have bet, never will bet – that are giving out picks for games that are that are and they're influencing the public. They're saying minus one hundred instead of even money. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. What a yeah. moron! Yeah. But they are and, plus and, hundred. Yes. And, and there's different. You know, Fez will refer to them as the content providers or you know the the some whatever gender they are, whoever they are. But there are people that are not true handicappers that are providing picks. And influencing people to bet. And I have no problem with content providers. The issue I have, the sticky slope, is when the content providers certainly make it seem like they are experts in the sports betting field. Yeah, but but here's the thing. A lot of people, I mean, listen, anyone who sells picks for a living takes heat. It just That doesn't matter. Two super contests or not, you're going to take heat. Because there's such a long history of shenanigans in this space, yes. a law two for the money. Now it's starting to be enough years away from the boiler rooms, and and quite frankly, a site like Pregame that's done this almost twenty years. I mean, it's getting there. A couple years from now, it, or maybe it's I don't look at my Twitter mentions all that much, but the heat seems to have died down to some degree. And maybe because there is a lot of worse, like whatever you think of what we're doing, it's hard to think there's not some expertise here. No, because everyone's paying for content. But what I'm saying is, is even Fez to this day will take a lot of heat saying, what do you know? You can't win. Mm-hmm. You won. Why are you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so everyone can quit and everyone wants to say wherever I am, that's good. And, and people over there are bad. And Fez, you do that all the time. What you do is fine, but that person didn't know this. So he must not know anything or she must not know anything. Thing, I think we should just assume almost anyone doesn't know anything in the NFL. It takes a rare person to know something, but everyone's getting NFL picks and they're not saying very explicitly, you know, my five-year record is this. Like, for example, every pick ever made by any pregame pro is available at pregame.com to review uh, it comprehensively. Not to mention, you could go on there and click and see what someone's season records are across the board. You know, it's it's such a great resource. Aren't doing that? Is that very act deceptive? Yes. Okay. And I think that the issue is is that when widespread legalization came, and every media company and sportsbook rushed to then provide sports betting content. They, it's not like pregame.com where we have handicappers and sports bettors that are providing content, uh, but they got regular TV talent or regular radio talent that was just covering sports mm-hmm. that are now talking gambling. Mm-hmm. They don't have a background in gambling. They, they don't know the difference between handicapping a game and just talking about the top stories of a game, but yet they are being promoted by sports books. And they are giving out picks. There's one major entity. They have 10 sports betting experts. One of their 10 sports betting experts is Clucko the Chicken. 
But that you know what they're doing there. That one actually is serving a, a real purpose. If you think about think about this a second, what they're saying is that we're going to random, literally randomize this in this one pick, and let's see how it does. This is because, like the flipping a coin because inevitably that chicken is going to go um, seventeen and six. Oh, no doubt the chicken has been hot lately. It, I think it's going to show how you can't. If anything, this is really. A tr- displaying in real time how randomness can lead to some results that seem impressive, but when it's a chicken, you know it isn't impressive. Well, while I agree with you, I'm not so sure the people, the public is making the right conclusions, and I do think it makes, it turns the whole thing into like energy. You think the public is thinking, this chicken knows something. There's something here. No, yes, no, that's what I, you think. I think I think the public. Well, you've seen it. You walk through. Why do they? Why did the casino spend fifty thousand dollars to show you a roulette wheel that shows more blacks coming up than reds? But but here's the thing: if you are, because people believe that things are due. People believe, or they believe the opposite. I think but, they believe the chicken is hot for whatever reason. I actually believe it. But you you can see how that. You don't have to be an, a, a blithering idiot to want to know what. First of all, it's just interesting to create context. To walk up mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, the guy's been winning. It looks like it's been red." Like, I mean, when you walk by, you look at see the chip stacks, right? Like, if you're if you're in, even half interested in a game, you look at the chip stacks, right? And, and yeah, of course, like because you to see who's winning. See sure. People, so, like, why is that different than showing? I mean, mm-hmm. every almost every casino game is negative EV. Anyone that bets it that doesn't have an advantage play that isn't counting cards of blackjack or some other mathematical advantage, which are few and far between, but there's a whole advantage. Hole carding, card sequencing, uh, shuffle tracking. Yeah. Or hard shit. Progressive jackpots. Yep. I mean, there's all kind of ways that there's a whole community of this. It's, It's getting more and more competitive, it seems. But in general, if you're not doing that, you are negative EV anytime you put a dollar down at a casino. Do you think everyone that does at the win with all the suits and the ties, you think they're idiots? No. So bet negative EV isn't a sign of being an idiot. I agree. Okay. No one, it, no, it's a I, recreational expense. I, 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 and when I'm in my backyard, I don't jump over the fence and start screaming at people, oh, my God, I can't believe you're spending $125 no, you to tw- golf. You do that on Twitter. Yeah. Well, no, that's that, that, that's the what's the eighteen hundred dollar ticket, the hot ticket, Taylor Swift ticket. Yeah, you think oh. they're dumb for that, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> if they have eighteen hundred to spend, you probably you know. I mean, if they've got millions, it's not dumb. Yeah, it's listen. We're all well, it's just, like me thinking it's dumb that you buy a Mercedes when you could drive a Nissan and it would probably, get you the same place. Um, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, we all, <laughs> if anything, it's nice to have enough money to indulge. But bringing it back to the major point. I think here's the thing we might be missing. On one hand, in general, this society is built upon that we're, it's not a nanny state. At least that is what we've been. That as long as everyone's being forthright and they're not breaking the laws, buyer beware. Hmm. All right? And if we're going to sit here and talk about how everyone else is dumb and we got to make sure they don't get fooled, well, that's how rights get taken away. Because it's very easy to go from, well, they can't have a gun now. Because they're too dumb. If you're too dumb to bet sports or not, and you're gonna get fooled by the chicken, you think the chick? I mean, let's be honest. I'm a you know. I think the Second Amendment's there for a reason, all right? But if someone thought the chicken was hot and he knew something, 
I don't know if I want that guy having a gun. <laughs> right? I don't even want him to be able to vote. Much yeah. like, I don't want to, he, should have, he shouldn't be allowed to think. So it's dangerous to head down this road, right? So, Or should they even have a child? Because if someone's that stupid, maybe should they be sterilized? <laughs> I mean, that, that happened in Nazi Germany. I mean, so it's, but let's be candid. It doesn't take that much to say, well, wait a minute. If they're so dumb, they think a chicken knows something. Should they be procreating? Should they, you know, so I don't want to get, go down that road at all. Cause I'm anti-Nazi. I don't know about every, I mean, right. Big time. Yeah. Fez. I, I'm fully endorse your position. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Don't even have to ask. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I know. So, but. I guess forgetting how dumb everyone is for a second, meaning that trope, I think that the the bigger issue here, or one of the issues, is gambling isn't nefarious just because it's gambling. So, like, the idea that in, the, in, like in Jersey you can't bet any Jersey team, right? I believe that. Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. No Jersey colleges. So what's the ration? Oh, so you can bet the Jersey pro team. You can bet the Devils, yeah, but you okay. can't bet any Jersey colleges. So what, what's the rationale? Is that they're... Some sort of uh, maybe point shaving, something going on, yeah. And the assumption would be it's easier to get to a college kid than it would be to a a millionaire pro athlete. I think the look also, the fact is if if there was a fixed game in Maine – it, it's okay in Pennsylvania if we're booking that, but it, it but it, you, you don't want to piss in your own pool. The idea that you don't want a scandal that's right there in your backyard. Now Nevada used to have that rule. Remember, they didn't have pro teams, so it was just no Nevada teams. But then they changed it like 15 years ago. Faz, why did they change it? Because by all accounts, the safeguarding of the games is exceptional when they, if there was any corruption, Nevada would be able to detect it. That's, and that made the, the games even more on the up and up. The very act of precluding you betting on local college teams is saying there's a real risk of this and that the only thing that's necessary is proximity. If you're next to these kids, mm-hmm. it's going to... And Nevada's saying, no, we don't believe that. We believe that, that it's so hard to do this and not get caught that, that it's just like any other crime. And, hey, if you want to try it. Yeah, because they'll flag, any, be, they'll flag any abnormal bets on UNLV or anything. Or, or but, yeah. but, but doesn't Jersey? They should they, be able they, to. Oh, they do. So, yeah. Then yeah. why why prevent it? The point is that that, it, that was a smart move, a forward-thinking move by Nevada yes. saying we aren't scummy. We aren't like every just because there's bets being made that someone's getting paid off. Mm-hmm. Because you can say the same thing about Wall Street. You know, who's, who's getting it? All it takes inside information. Here's the thing. I've had coaches. I've had 30 times in my life that I talked to the head coach of a college team that told me an opinion on a game. I mean, this was mostly more than 10 years ago when I was like really involved with people that were rising up through the ranks. <clears throat> and I think they were like 42%. Hmm. I mean, these coaches would only tell, say once or twice a year, hey, I think we're going to kill these guys. They were wrong more than a coin flip. I mean, it was crazy. Interesting. And I mean, you've been around enough coaches. I mean, they don't. I don't think they have a great feel when they're going to win and when they're going to lose. Well, the the coach, the college coach that I spent the most time around, would like he would always act like it was Mac Brown, and he would act like when Texas played Kansas, that was the same as Texas playing Oklahoma. But he you know, wasn't. That, he wasn't being a confidant and telling you. No, well, yeah. Matt, he would never. I I've never been around a coach that would 
yeah. be that way with I, me. I think the only predictive uh, nature oh, go ahead. that they could make... do is the pace of play. I think when they... Uh, when... You know, yeah, no one's trying to throw any games here. They're saying, this is my take on what's going to happen on the game. But you're yes. saying they might have an idea, especially if they're going to change something. The over-under, yeah. like, that they're going to run. That's certainly, you know, nothing nefarious going on. They're just, you know, they could disclose the game plan to insiders. But let's agree that in general, if a coach told you something, it's far from a short thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Okay, now... Insider trading on Wall Street, which is trillions, not billions, they know what their earnings are before the earnings report. It doesn't just calculate up. They know days before. You know, and, and I was in corporate America. I had lots of contacts of people okay. that were working. You uh-huh. know, on the- on the the earnings reports, and they would literally. The vast majority of them would say, "Look, this is com- you know completely confidential information." But every now and then, someone would say, "You know what?" Things, I mean, I caught, I caught things, you know. Okay, so here's the beauty of it. In that case, someone telling someone was a sure thing. That they know which way the stock was going to move based on that earnings. Yes, when it came out in two days. Exactly. Right. So literally it was like you could make, a, in some extreme cases, 20% pop on your money in a day if you got the wink. All right? Now— Think about that where here, if it's not a fixed game, but it's rather a little bit of information, oh, so-and-so is going to play, it might move the line a point and a half. Or if it's a quarterback, Mm -hmm. maybe it moves at six or seven. But that still only takes you from, what, 50 to 68% or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like a teaser if it's a really good quarterback, right? Six points or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we trust the Wall Street that has some of the most – despicable people on earth working there, why are we going to sit and give a side eye to gambling when the worst it can do, unless it's a fixed game, even a fixed game is not a short thing, right? So to some degree, I think we need to fight back against the very premise that it's nefarious at all. Is Shams is given whatever information he's got, he's going to do it forthrightly. We all are. And the market's going to take care of itself. And the first to act takes advantage. The only difference that I will say is that with an event like the NBA draft or the NFL draft, where it's strictly on information, people will react, uh, you know, more strongly. Yes, more aggressively than they would react to a regular game or any other information. Do you think there's an overlap with those people in the chicken batters? Well, they think the chicken's hot. Okay. And that's, you're saying they should be sterilized. Absolutely. Okay. That's, I mean, I think we've wrapped that up. I mean, I think we see there's no clear answer. I think it's a very interesting topic. I think we're going to hear some very stupid debates about it over the next couple of years because no one – I mean, the biggest answer question I got on the more broad shows after legalization was, is this going to cause a lot of corruption? And, I, you know, game fixing. I said it's going to be the opposite. Yeah. You know, and no one could get that. I mean, no one that wasn't in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's inevitably been the case. When you catch that Alabama baseball coach. Oh, yep. yes. I mean, that's a sign, right? So good topic, good debate. Any closing thoughts on this? Mackenzie, you got any thoughts on this one? I was just thinking, if you work at Kinko's and the guy that's doing his earnings report comes and does his, makes his copy of whatever – you can have that information. That's legal to do whatever you want. So I think, I mean, all of these lines move before the actual news hits. The, the currents of information is out there. He can tap into that or or not. That's there's a public company that does the reporting at Kinko. Think of the Jerry Maguire <laughs> scene. But there's, you, the, the the stocks move before the earnings. There's a little bit of rumors. Maybe Fez, you know, texts somebody when he gets that insurance quote or whatever it is. But this information's not like nobody knows and then everybody knows. It leaks out. What I would say is. 
look at when these reports come out, see if the lines are leaking before it. Because that would be a sign that, that especially if the one book that's leaking out first is the employer mm. of the of the insider, that would be a sign of something, Fez. Yes, and I uh, agree. And and I think that would be. Now we would get into some maybe you know less, let's say more nefarious type things. But again, I'm not even sure. And if it comes up, we'll talk about it. I'm not even sure how wrong that would be. But again, as long as. He's being forthright about who's getting the information when, you know? When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? Yes, Shams Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) All right. All right. Next topic. NBA draft itself. Mackenzie Rivers, 56.8%. Lifetime NBA at pregame.com. Documented. If he gives you something, forget Shams. Shams. Shams, boy, he was a sham. Maybe that's, oh, yeah, you can use that. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, uh, celery chopped up. And let's forget about them, because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with Pick 6? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. What's your main takeaway from the draft? I think the Hornets are going to be better than expected next year, and I think the Blazers are going to be worse. It's all about that second draft pick. 
Damian Lillard's been very loud about not liking the pick, talking to the team. They say they're going to build around him. I don't believe them. I think the trade happens maybe like Kevin Durant doesn't happen before the season, but mid-season they're going to take. So you think the, become a Scoot Henderson You think team. Dame gets traded? Yes. What do you think the market is for him? Uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell got four first-round draft picks. I think people are realizing how kind of uh, short-sighted that was, but three first-round draft picks or a top player like Jalen Brown in a well, draft pick. I don't. So you're saying the guy that went to the Cleveland? You think that's the that's the um, case of uh, draft picks gone awry? And the Rudy Gobert, there was yeah, two. I think yeah. Go, yeah, I mean, I think the <laughs> Gobert is way worse of a trade. Yeah, it's almost like it takes itself out of the math because we're like, well, that was the worst draft draft uh, trade ever. But, but you you feel like yeah. the you feel like the the Cavs was a bad trade in hindsight. I think it was more expensive than it would be this today. Yeah. But except all we've seen is Durant go, and Durant went for even more at age like 36 or whatever he is. Did he go for more? Yeah. I mean, take a look. I mean, they sent, they sent like a guy who's like maybe the, the 18th best player in the league over to start, right? So pull up what's taken there. I get no sense this is fading. The only thing that's giving you a sense of that is what happened with Washington, and that's based on Beal's contract. Mm-hmm. Beal might have had a negative value at that contract. Yeah, I forgot. Four unprotected first-round picks. And I mean, who, the Suns aren't going to be aren't going to be bad, but still, that's a bigger big hole than I thought. And, and Mikael Bridges, maybe the thirtieth best player in the league. Thirtieth? I think he really stepped up. I mean, that's interesting. Speaking of your, um, what changed? What changed? So, what do you think about Zion not getting traded? Because it could be two things. It could be the Pelicans love him so much it doesn't matter what he does. Or it could be there was hardly a market for it. The market was so tepid that they didn't want to trade him. You've never used the word tepid. There you go. It must be accurate. <laughs> what do you think, McKenzie? I think there's a market for Zion. I think... Uh... But anywhere near what it would have been a year ago, and thus were they unwilling to sell low? I think they're unwilling to, to sell low. I still think he's a top 20 trade asset. But what changed? Uh, he had a videotape with a porn star that's soon to hit theaters. Uh, but why would that affect anything? Like when Jimmy know, just... G, when Jimmy G went out with that old forty-year-old port. You know, again, she looked old. It wasn't being forty. Yeah, but he wasn't looked... going and getting like deep dish pizzas for dinner every night with her, or ice cream. But who cares? Who cares? What is that I mean, code for? He's. Fat. I've heard of tossing salad. Science fat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> so no, not, nothing else. Okay, I just didn't know what code you were speaking. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you something. I still think you trade for Zion if, if it's a good price. If it's a fair, like, I would have given up to three in a millisecond. So would you have done that if you're Portland? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't have a timeline with Damian Lillard. You have three players under 24 you want to build around. You trade the 33 year old for the 22 year old every time. Oh, the third pick, I guess, is what you're saying, not Damian Lillard. Yeah, but I, w- yeah. I would have I done that. I still think, yeah, I would have done that. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I wonder if, if they could get Dame for Zion. In fact, I don't think they could. I mean, Dame's worth more than the three. We know that, right? Has to be. Though, though, I will bet. I think Zion's worth more than three as well. I think oh, fair enough, fair enough. But Dame's worth more than Zion yeah. in the market. Okay, so I'm going to predict something here. In fact, here's a theory uh, for you to disregard. (laughs) I believe Dame's going to go for a lot less than what the other big boys have gone for recently. And that's because 
I don't think this is tenable. I don't think you can keep Dame in Portland for the whole year. He has to go before the trading deadline. Uh-huh. And I think the, the the only teams he'd be willing to go to, because though he doesn't have a no trade, they don't want to look like the bad guys. It was they, They've been very careful to say, we're trying to win with them. And he's been very loyal to them. That's the perception. Though we're moving on two years now of seemingly all this back-channel chatter. He did demand a trade. People forget this last summer. He said, no, 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 I that was retra- no, 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 no. He never said that. And correct me if I'm wrong. It, it, is that Haynes said it and then it came out that he, he was going to the Olympics right after, if I remember correctly, he was going to the Olympics. He got there and said, I don't know what anyone's talking about. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're correct. However, Chris Haynes, like his best friend, they talk yeah, like but, on podcasts that, every other week. Yeah. I don't think he got that wrong. Okay, but that's the plausible deniability. So uh, we're he, in agreement. Yeah, so he was able to kind of express it and still plausibly deny it when it came time if he needed to. Right. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> she called me. What was I supposed to do? Right? <laughs> um, I believe that he has to go. I believe that... The only two teams that make any sense right now is Miami. And you know the godfather is not going to get took. <laughs> and maybe Brooklyn, they say, hmm. is viable. I don't understand. And I've heard that too, but I don't understand how. Like, why? if you're Brooklyn, your core roster is no better than Portland's. Like, so now you're just. Well, I, again. You're taking on a star player. You got, you, got, you got a very good player. Again, McKenzie says 30. I think better with uh, Bridges. Bridges is. Here's the thing. Brooklyn can't tank. All, they owe all their picks. Yeah. Right? So they got to do whatever not to – because it's really mm. bad if you lose and you're like the third – I mean, look at look at um, Denver. How much worse was it this season because Seattle's picking number five. Right. Right? And, and obviously we're talking NFL here. So I'm thinking he goes for about two-thirds or so of what you would expect. What do you think, McKenzie? I feel like he has a lot of leverage because of the narrative that you're talking about, where he doesn't have a no-trade clause. but Because of plausible deniability. If the Blazers trade him to the 15th best team in the league, it's going to be like, what have you been doing as a franchise for 15 years? If they finally move on and he goes to a title contender, the Heat become the favorites in the East, it makes a good story. It's, it, it plays. So you're saying Portland would have pressure not to dump him just anywhere, thus Dame has leverage which means, again, he wants they to They would be, have to give up less, yeah. Yeah, and he wants the team he goes to to give up as least as possible because he wants to win. That's a good point. He said that. He said that on a podcast. He's like, I don't want to go to a gutted team and be bad. And he also yeah. said he wants to play with Bam, and that would be the one guy. You know, he's not getting Butler. So, I mean, the, the two guys they want to keep for sure is Bam and Butler. You put Dame in there. All of a sudden, that's a contender. A real con- I mean, yeah, they, the favorites in the East above yeah, Boston, no I think. You think. I don't know about that. But yeah. I think Boston's getting a lot of love. And what do you think about the trade Boston made with Smart going out? I love it for Boston. Porzingis is kind of a perfect option for them where they can play the two bigs but also have offense. When do they play two big? Who plays two bigs these days? The Celtics do. Their Horford-Williams lineup last year was the, like the best five-man lineup in the league. This year, Williams wasn't quite healthy and, and you know wasn't as good. He's never healthy. That's why you have Porzingis, who also gets hurt a lot, but <laughs> is just a lot more... You can do a lot more things with him on offense. It seems like you took the heart and soul <laughs> of Boston. Smart, right? Yeah. And you took a guy who's very lukewarm, very tepid, n- no sense of passion, a nightclubber from all accounts... I mean, it feels like you're you're almost going for like an all-star team. 
instead of like the true cohesion of team. It does kind of seem like that. Where on paper, it, I mean, Porzingis is just a better player than Smart, and he's fits what they need because they already have a bunch is of guards. Is he really that much better? I think at this point, Smart's defensively fell off a little bit. I mean, he had better numbers on a per 36 minutes than uh, Jalen Brown did this year. So here's the question. Porzingis, when he left Dallas, what was the compensation for that? Uh, I'll pull it up. It was was remarkably low, everybody said. Well, no. It's because the guy was considered almost washed out of the league. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie was the other player that came across the other way. But then this year he had one – he had arguably his best season. But it's easy. It's it's a Beal type. When you put up 22 or whatever, when you never care about the games, no one's playing hard against you because you're down by 15 all the time. I mean – it's like there's a lot of guys that can put up 24 on a bad team that they can't even get in the rotation of a good team. I, the Celtics I, had the most talented roster last year, this year, and they will next year. So I don't think it solves their problem, which is not a lack the of most talent. talent. Yeah. yeah. So if anything, they have less cohesion. Yeah. I would have liked to see them move Jalen Brown and really think about how they want to position their team other than just let's get the best five-man lineup we can on, on paper. Hmm. Any thoughts, Faz, on any of this? You know, the parity in the the NBA, I think down the road, we may well have opportunity. Let's face it, there's no clear-cut favorite. I mean, Boston's plus 450. So Plus 450, and Denver's like 5-1? to Uh, Denver is plus 565. To have two teams under, you know, right in the 550 or less range, that is the opposite of parity, I'd say. Well, I I guess I'm going to contrast it with the Golden State dynasties of the minus 200s. Well, yeah, we we have history on that. You know? Last year, the Celtics at six to one, the favorite, were the longest shot favorites ever. This year, whoever it is, if it's the Nuggets at five to one or the Celtics at plus four seventy five, they're the second longest shot favorites ever in NBA history. Oh, ever since going back when eighty five. Okay, that's not ever. First of all, there was basketball before nineteen eighty five. You say, <laughs> yeah, like like Magic went never heard his of first it. title. I mean, if you would have watched the end of that Showtime, <laughs> you would have known he played center in Game Six. Kareem was out. What happened? Did they win. They did. Um, the one guy was going to shoot him up. But apparently, that wasn't true. Um, what I'd be interested in. So, who's the third favorite, and how much? Uh, Milwaukee's plus 675 and Phoenix plus 750. I mean, four teams, seven and a half to one or less. I bet that gets interesting. Like, if we said, all right, who's the fourth favorite last year? Who's the fourth favorite years ago? I'm not sure that. That you'd have four teams. It feels like there's a lot of teams that could win it. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. always been the knock on the NBA, these super teams. It's exciting. But you that's know. not parody. That's the, there's, there's no parody before. Yeah, but I'm saying this isn't parody either. You're saying there's five or six teams that can win it, maybe, where maybe sometimes you think there's three or four. Gosh, you Since know, 85, the average fourth favorite is plus 910. Hmm. So it's not that much difference. Well, Jesus Christ, it's a big difference. 750 and 910. I mean, so we're saying this: the, the top four here are much tighter at the top than a typical season. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's, the spreadsheets are nice, McKenzie. Excel. Yeah. Love it. Highly recommend it. All right. So, so your point is, though, even if there are five or six teams, that's more competitive, thus you have a chance to make money? I mean, what are you saying? I'm saying once the season starts, mm-hmm. if, if, oh, yeah. we, if, if we stay fast on our feet and we observe, like in the first month of the season perhaps, we could well, if we can identify who's going to become the favorite, 
and bet them at four to one, for instance, we might be able to get you know an outstanding futures bet. The Nuggets had the number one seed, and they were like fifteen to one a month into the season. No one was paying attention. No one was adjusting. We could have taken advantage, and we can this upcoming season. I was betting football. Damn. There you go. <laughs> Faz always has an excuse. The um, no, I mean, McKenzie, it's a great example. That's your job, though. I mean, yeah, it is a good example. But that's your job that comes, guys. I want to, you know, I have a thesis that I want to put forth here, and and you know, it gets peer reviewed. And then the best place for it, exactly. So, um, speaking of that, AJ, what's the plan on college? Like, what are you guys doing with college football now? I mean, it seems like it's. About time to be ramping up, right? Yeah, uh, I have uh, season win total packages out. What's SOVAM doing? Oh, we haven't started college football yet. I think, I think a countdown. How? Like maybe the top twenty teams over twenty days. I mean, you guys decide, but some. Mm -hmm. I I want to see a conference. I'd like to see conference conference breakdowns. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't have to be every team in the conference. How about we do this? They create a top. He creates his top twenty-five. Right. Then they go conference by conference, but he identifies, reveals the t- each of the top 25 that's in each conference. So let's say he does the Big Ten. He yeah. says, I got a high state number three. I got so and so, you know, so you're doing both at the same time. Michigan number three, Ohio State number four. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I, hear Michi- I hear Michigan's got their best team this year in a long time. It looks good. You know, far be it for me to tell them how to, how to do these conference previews, but personally, what I love is when it's some- very boring. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's when you're breaking down a Mac, instead of like going through and having to break down Akron and Bowling Green to say, you know, here's an, my undervalued team, here's my overvalued team. You don't have to cover all the teams, just the, the stuff that's really good is. Yeah, that's more actionable. Exactly. Yeah. And if something is, is on market, let's say a team is just considered the best team by far, and you agree they're the best team, but not over or underrated. Yeah. George you, is very good. We yeah, get you it. can just identify, but you can identify the truth of the market, the truth of your opinion, and make it quick. You know, it can okay. be, here's the, you know, like when we start debates, I like to often start one step beyond where the typical debate's happening. Here we can agree with this, this, and this. Now it gets interesting. By the right? way, I did bet Georgia plus 250. I think it's an outstanding wager. They're over. Over under for season wins is like eleven and a half. Plus two fifty. So what would their money line have? Think of so they have to even if they make the the final four hundred percent of the time, they'd have to be favored in both games. Oh, they will be. They'll be like laying six. How I much mean, are they clearly number one, AJ? Oh yeah. They like like Fez said, their win total is eleven and a half. And if you want to bet over, you pay juice. Okay. So they they're the well, market says they're going to go undefeated. Is there games of the year lines out? So I think there are. Is what's the Alabama Georgia? Do they play this year? Uh, they won't. No. They'd play in an SEC championship, which mm. hasn't happened or isn't set yet. And the beauty here is, I think Georgia can go eleven and one. So they they actually could go under their season win total, and they're still going to get in the playoff if they go eleven and one. Yeah, more than likely. But that's what I'm saying. Even if it's a hundred percent, I yeah. I, to me, I'm just always worried that things that are too obvious. But some, but here's the thing too: sometimes those big favors, sometimes it stops people from thinking. I don't want to lay, like especially when they become minus money. You know, like Golden State when they were minus one sixty, it stopped a lot of people from betting. It. Exactly. Bold prediction: Georgia will be like pick them November first. All right. So, obviously, the number one pick, and this is the first time, everyone. Here it goes. <clears throat> <clears throat> Wim Ben Yama. Nice. That's yeah, it. I'm never, I'm never, now, I'm put never, it all together. <laughs> what do you mean? You said it kind of, you broke it, you broke up the name into like three parts. No, I said Wim Ben Yama. <laughs> I said Wim Ben Yama. Wim Ben Yama. 
it's getting that there. time was good. Yeah, it's getting there. When Benyama. When when ben, when Benyama. I think, a, I think he's saying it right. It just sounds funny when he says it. it yeah, I agree. I have a little accent. I don't know. If I've heard a little bit, a little bit. Um, when you, when you grow up across from West Virginia, you can see it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever quite done that accent. Oh, that's good. It, that it, seems it like a West little, Virginia accent. It came a little too natural. It did. Like you, been, you covered it up for a while. Country road. <laughs> All right. So we'll call him Whammy Bammy. He is 225, isn't he? Yes, a, that's the consensus number if you use three books. He's minus. Minus 225. 225, yes. All right. 225 wins you 100. We think it's too much. You actually have a theory how to approach this. Yeah, just historically, it's far too much in my opinion. There's only been one other minus money favorite in NBA Rookie of the Year the last 20 years about. LeBron? 2005 knows. It was Kevin Durant. And LeBron is a great example. The other best prospect of the century, without a doubt, LeBron James, wasn't this big of a favorite because Dwayne Wade was pretty good. Carmelo Anthony was good. Darko was supposed to be good, and he wasn't. Are you out of breath? Almost all the time. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like he was smacking his lips. He was doing a bubba booey there. <laughs> At least he's on the mic. And Go ahead. I'm as... a. A believer in his long-term future as anybody, but he just had a video over the weekend. He's not a great shooter. He shot under thirty percent from three. He's not a lot. Of, a lot of the things that uh, you have polished NBA-ready players. And my guy, I think Scoot Henderson's fine value of four to one. Chet Holmgren's plus six fifty. He was two to one last year, and now he is in the same role as Blake Griffin, Joel Embiid, David Robinson. When you're in the NBA system for a year. You improve. You have lift. You lift weights with the other guys. You know what it, you do. Do film room. You know what it is to be an NBA player. You make a sex tape. Oh wait, that's sometimes when you're not playing in not the NBA. Chet sometimes you dabble. But uh, Chet Holmgren at plus six fifty is available at FanDuel. I, li- I like it a lot. Sprinkle some on Scoot Henderson. I just think Wembenyama. There's not a seventy percent chance he's rookie of the year. I think that's overpressed. I-, I love this because Mackenzie mentioned it with Chad Holmgren. There is precedent for this before Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, guys that got hurt their rookie years and then were qualified as a rookie their second year in the league, which is what Chad Holmgren is. As Mackenzie said, he's been in the league for a year. He's traveled with the team. He's learned how to be an NBA player. That's not going to be an adjustment to that. But it, specifically on court, he is playing with an all-NBA player in SGA on a team that was better than expectations last season that the trend line is only going up on them. Yes, that's a good point, too. I think Oklahoma City is going to have a much better season than the San Antonio Spurs. I think Chet Homer is going to have much more opportunities to shine than Wembenyama. And I think NBA voters are more responsive to actual winning and actual productive basketball than just raw stats than ever before. I don't mean to be rude, but it's (laughs) Wembenyama. But my my bad. Go Call him Wemby. I, well, I, I think you can look at it two ways, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Chet Holmgren's in a good position to succeed, particularly from a team standpoint. But Scoot Henderson, we just talked about, if Dame gets traded, somebody's going to pick up the scoring on that team. And Scoot Henderson may have a lot of opportunities to well, shine. Well, not only early. that, but in a way, they're clearing the decks for him to be a leader. To be the guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that seems like maybe it, I think McKenzie's right to sprinkle some on both. So Fez, this is an example of a derivative market or a once removed market that hey, you hear the trade, and the first thing you do is you fire on Scoot. I don't think the odds move there too qu- within an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, do you? No. 
I mean, they could at a certain book, but you're gonna if you have multiple outs, you're gonna find a book where it hasn't moved. I think his odds of winning it if Dame gets traded are much better than if he doesn't. Yeah, I love this, and and we've spoken about this before. You've got you know you've got eight seconds right to to bet the obvious, you know, on on the futures with the team gonna win the title. Yeah, Portland the, team wins under. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you've got, and then and then you, you you it's just like a quarterback going through the rotations and then picking off a, a little bit more obscure stuff that absolutely should change the odds. I will say this. If you want in on this Chet Holmgren or any of these players, I think the time is now because the summer league is next week, right? July 7th is when it begins. Chet Holmgren is going to be playing in the summer league. And if he shows what people expected to see last season before the injury, people are going to jump in on Chet Holmgren to be rookie of the year. You're not going to get this number. He's out of sight, out of mind. Yes. Everybody's thinking about Wimbenyama and Scoot Henderson. And but Ray now Miller. if he comes out to Thomas and Mack and Cox Pavilion and he's dunking and scoring on everybody, people are going to jump all aboard the Chet Holmgren train. You, you guys got your press passes ready to go? Okay, so for some release. All right, so that's things you talk about after the show. Oh. <laughs> no, go ahead. I want to hear this. I'm just curious if. So you're asking Scott? If he has Scott, a press Scott, Scott, do you have a press pass? I do not have a press pass to the uh, Thomas and Matt. You gonna get one? I'll apply for one. Uh, is that good? Is that? I like it. There we go. <laughs> I'll let you know where I parked it. <laughs> what did you have for lunch today, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about Chat. We haven't seen him play for mm, a minute in the NBA. Yep. <sighs> Do you think the odds get much worse on him between now and the start of the season? I think they I think the odds shorten on him. Why? Because I think like I said nobody's been thinking about him. So why would they start thinking about him between because now he's going to play in the summer league. People are going to see him. But so are these other players that have more awareness anyway. So my point is, maybe let's see him play six, seven games before he blows out another leg. Maybe this guy will be a Sam Bowie type that just never can play. Now I don't I don't think he has that history, right? No. But he hasn't played with these big boys like he's true. But the, the same injury concerns you have about him, you should have about Wimbenyama because they're built very similar. But that's not just the build. Is my understanding about again? It's Wimbenyama. Thank you. But <laughs> well, actually, I think I got a pronunciation here. Let me see. Is would you say this is correct? Guy nice antitoko umpo. No, different guy. Okay. Different guy. Okay. Uh, is that correct? No, they, they spell and pronounce their names differently. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but I'm saying for you, for you honest, is that correct? Let's listen one more time. Guy nice antitoko umpo. You'd say, take it too long between the enunciations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate the guyness. <laughs> now, my sense is that with Wimbenyama is he's been working on his feet. Apparently feet, if you think about it, Sam Bowie had feet issues. Well, that's Bill what Holm, Holmgren had, Chad Holmgren had the list, Frank. All right, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So big boy, now extra thin's a good thing, but he's been strengthening his feet. He has a foot workout that he does like 40 minutes a day for like three years. So if you actually look at it, this guy's taking a hyper- uh, Thoughtful approach to this. Does it guarantee he's not going to get hurt? No. But he's but, getting ahead of it. I mean, he, he looks at himself as a corporation in a way, mm. it seems like. And <clears throat> they're taking all the precautions for whatever it's worth. But he hasn't been hurt yet. The difference with Chet is he went out onto a, not even an NBA court and he couldn't play. Yep. 
So I don't know, because college isn't like it used to be. It's not like college is truly representative of the NBA, like the Big East in '86 or whatever. I don't. I mean, I guess what I'm saying, Fez, is we could gain some a little bit of confidence. He's not going to go down just every time he gets hit and crumble. And I don't think it hurts us too much on the payout. I mean, yeah, and we can always if if he if he goes for 28 in a second summer league game, we can always look to fire. You know, there'll be a small delay before who's the line. Who's batting this off of his 28? Well, people pay attention this summer I, league. It's, a, was, it's the dog days of summer, RJ. There's not much going on. Well, there's a lot going on if you listen to before the show. I mean, a lot of people think there's not a lot going <laughs> on. Mac was Zion the favorite to win Rookie of the Year the year that uh, that, that John Morant won it. They were actually both plus 150. Okay, because I was going to say that's a guy who got hurt. His last year of college, he was he was a favorite to eat every hamburger. <laughs> no. We gotta get ice cream truck music. I, yeah, that's great. Um, Mackenzie, the day before summer leagues, take a snapshot of the odds for rookie of the year. Day after it's over, we take a snapshot. Let's see what kind of changes there are. This is a theory you guys have. I think you might be right. We'll see. I think you're also gonna see. Odds change for a lot of things. I think you're going to see a move. I think if there's a Damian Lillard trade coming, it's coming during the summer league because it's not just mm-hmm. about the rookies and the second year players playing. The summer league is an NBA convention. All the GMs and all the agents yeah, yeah, will be yeah. in town talking to each other. There's going to be some deals that get made here in Vegas over the next two weeks. Uh, I think that's when we'll see maybe a Damian Lillard trade come down. And I think, and Mackenzie, you can tell me if you agree, I think there's a real chance it goes into the season with no trade. And it, it just happens before the training deadline. That's the sense I get. Because yeah, that's what Max said. I mean, this, this meeting that they had, we're like, well, we are really building behind them, and I am really. You think I can contend here? It seems like they're they're put, they're put a bandaid on it for the moment, but uh, they're they're keeping their ears open. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fez is going to bless us. All right, we're going to go week seven of the NFL games of the year. These are actually becoming widely available, being uh, dealt at DraftKings, being dealt at um, Caesars, being Mm -hmm. dealt at uh, Westgate. So have we learned anything about this, uh, what's going on with the um, same game parlays in town? Uh, There are. June 27th is today. Yeah, they just launched the Caesars app, so it's live now. If you have the Caesars app, you can bet same game parlays in Nevada. Ooh, finish up your pig, Faz. All right, so week seven, Pittsburgh Steelers minus one at the Rams. This is outstanding value. So for this line to be right, um, the Rams would have to have an obscene home field advantage. Pittsburgh is supposed to win nine games this year. Mm -hmm. The Rams are supposed to win six and a half, and money's coming in on the under. Pittsburgh is being valued like they're four points better, and I agree with that. Pittsburgh about four points better right now than the Rams. And the key here is that Pittsburgh travels great, RJ. I mean, you know this. There's going to be more Pittsburgh fans in L.A. than mm-hmm. Ram fans. If we give the Rams one for home field advantage, we get to Pittsburgh minus three, and we're only laying one outstanding value. Yeah, but if you're jumping all the way to three with that you know, 20 cents at the end, that's, that's the simple math. But really we're saying more two and a half minus 20, right? Yeah, and we're only laying one. Okay. My gut says that um, I'm kind of bullish on Pittsburgh this year mm-hmm. to go over, and I'm, I thought they were like the 29th best team, and a little bearish on the Rams also. So it kind of all lines up. And I and if, if there's one time I don't want to bet against the Rams, it's probably September early on. And I'm, I'm happy this is Week Seven, so we got a little time for the well, Rams. The Rams are going to be extra young. 
I think the Rams get better throughout the year. Certainly the defense. That defense is really going to be gutted and be a problem all year long. I I don't – I'm fine with this pick. I don't believe the Rams are going to have a horrible season. I don't mm-hmm. – McVay did not con- turn down $15 million or whatever from Amazon – to, to, to be a one-year disaster than leave. I, I think they win six, seven games, maybe eight games. I mean, it's not going to be a disaster. And if they're a 500 team, though, they're going to lose their crowd support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but they weren't that excited for that. It's la-la land. <laughs> the fans don't care. It's a Laker town. All right. I like it. So, Fez, about six weeks ago, you were, four weeks ago, you were going to send me your favorite um, game of the year bets – Somehow it hasn't happened. It's all it's all being made, you see. So I've I'm, I'm accumulating. I've got to put it on my spreadsheet. I'm no, no. But betting, what I'm betting, saying betting. is, okay. But how am I going to get a chance to get? Like I hear so and so is giving me tennis picks, so I give him this. I mean, do I? Can I rate? You think at, at what point do I rate for the five minutes it's going to take you to send me the list of those well, games? It's going to take me about an hour, and I'm on it this week. All right. So why would it take you an hour? You know what the current market is. You can say, here's the bets I made. Here's the ones that haven't moved. I like these, and then I can decide if I like. Okay, I will do. But that. what else were you going to do? Well, there's 18 weeks, and I've bet like a hundred of them. Uh, that must be nice. So what you're saying is you've bet so many games. That he hasn't had time. Which to is code field. for that means there's 100 games you haven't even had a chance to consider for my expertise. Though there's been what, how many people? How many people have seen those games beyond your your paying clients of traders? Like four. Uh, I don't think that's true. Mm. I don't. I think it's more. Yeah, busy moving the market. Might be five. Uh huh. So, so I don't even. Am I sixth or am I seventh? Am I where am I? I well, I know you're going to endorse these. I'm going to send them to you. You're going like, I like that. But the yeah. lines are moving every day. Well, that the, the the problem is, is that when I'm I'm moving the, the lines exactly. every day. As soon thus, as I bet it, it moves. Yeah. Thus, thus, it seems like time is of the essence. Exactly. That's why I spot it. I bet it. There's no time. I, if someone else is going to spot it, I, I bet Pittsburgh I, at pick. I think. All right, that's a twenty dollar fine. Yeah. I mean, we got. <laughs> how did that help us? There we go, baby. I got forty now. I got my nut for the day. But remember, you owe twenty-five. No, I don't. For, In, into the pool. Okay. But when you win it, you don't owe anything. Okay. Don't pay the big when you win. Yeah. <laughs> I always split my own money up. We haven't even talked how we're going to split it. Well, second place breaks even. That's how we generally yeah. do it. Can we agree that maybe sending me a few of your better picks makes sense? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a different. I'm, 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 I'm on that by uh, this be, week. Yeah, That's the yeah, project. Yeah, it does. It's not a project. <laughs> you know the line you bet the game at, right? Yeah, but they just screwed me. The app just changed, so now I got to get like it, I don't like the format of the app showing the. Open what what app are we talking about? The Caesars app went to a new, uh, a totally new format. Don't start bad mouthing Caesars. So now all the, I love Caesars. The same game parlays are live. Is it? Same okay. game parlays are So they got it for like all baseball games? Yeah. I just I, yeah. I went to the first game for tomorrow, the Braves against the Twins, and I built a little same game parlay. You like it? I'd have to go over it a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I just went over on basically Ronald Acuna, bases, RBIs, and runs scored. So what, I haven't thought about a baseball same game. So like, what would be the, the basic premise, you think, to try to get some inverse, to try to get some mis, misconstrued... Um, Correlation. Ooh, that's a great question because I've I've been thinking about 
correlations. Mm-hmm. Let me think about what would be an inverse. So what are the typical? What are the types of bets they offer? They offer like first five. Obviously, if you do first five in the whole nine, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. They have all the players want like one and a half bases. So for same game parlays, they restrict certain bets, mm-hmm. and they they give you an option here. So what you can do, I guess, on Caesars is they allow you to do. Uh, home run bets if you want, which don't do that. Uh, so I, I have a question. What happens if I say a team's going to win the first five but lose the game? What, just do a two-teamer like that. Cannot do that. Why? That seems like a great That seems like a great thing people could bet. It's That's, not available on a same-game parlay. That, doesn't that seem crazy? They, they do. Yeah, they do. Off, the one thing that's closest is they do offer what they call um, – what the hell? Double First five result. To, double result. Thank mm-hmm. you. Where a so team this has to is a split result. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They only offer offer the double. What, what, no, I think they offer every result on the, on the double. The double result. They offer it. They do. So on the double not result, on, not on Caesars. I believe they do. I could be wrong because I saw it. So what they do is they say Mets first five along with Mets for game. Okay, that's uh-huh. the one everyone likes to bet. Big favorite, yeah. you know. But but they also offer like the team the Mets are playing first five and Mets to win. So you can you, you know those are you're saying it's they're, they're giving you four possibilities there. You think here yeah, double result but, you can do it. So yeah, it's not a part of a same game parlay, but it's a separate bet. All right, so, so you, do they have the payout right there. Yeah. So if all you right, want so to do, the, give the give the payouts if it's the same team versus if it, if you go opposite. So. Double result: Braves both plus one fourteen, which the Braves are minus one sixty something favorites. For okay, the game. okay. Uh, twins both ways plus two fifteen. Mm-hmm. Twins first five, but Braves to win the game plus seven fifty. Braves first five, but Twins to win the game plus nine hundred, and then a tie in the first five, and the Braves to win the game plus nine hundred. Here's the problem: ties lose. A tie in the first ties five. lose on those first four options. Mm-hmm. Tie, and the tie yeah. is not possible for so the game, be, but just the first be like five. A soccer, right? And a tie in the first five. Well, first, no, no not, not like soccer, where at the end of the game, the end of the game, the extra innings count, but the first five innings, it's always a but minus what I mean a half. Is, is there's a win, a loss, and, and a push is the three possible outcomes in the first on five. the first five exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's a bet that I love. Will the home team bat in the bottom of the ninth? Yes or no. Okay, so th- that's interesting. So that's saying that that they're losing. So it's like betting the other team and not giving them the bottom of the night. So if anything, if it's a road, the road team should have better odds than they do for the game, right? Well, no. the 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 Braves are a favorite. The Braves are the favorite in the game. And they're home. The Braves are home. And what are they? Minus? They're minus one sixty favorites for the game. So and I bet there'll like be a th- bigger favorite to bat in the bottom of the night. I think they're probably 50-50. Will, will home team bat at the bottom of the ninth? 50%. The no is minus one ten. The no is minus one ten. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. Looks right to me. Because the uh, if you're minus one sixty, the odds of if you if you're winning, you don't bat, bat in the bottom of the ninth. You could bat in the bottom of the ninth and still win. Yeah, because yeah, you okay. could be tied or yeah, you're yeah, losing. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's say after eight and a half innings, the game's tied. Uh-huh. So the Braves are batting the bottom of the ninth, but they're, at that point, they're like a minus one eighty favorite okay. to win. All right. So here's what I would do. I would use my logic, come up with some bets, and then compare them to DraftKings because my thought is DraftKings' model is going to be a lot more refined and that if you see a major difference, it, it's probably Caesars is wrong. I this agree. is what I started to uh, do I'm sorry, already. One second. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with that, yes, because anytime one book has been dealing it for two days and one book's been mm-hmm. dealing it for two years, probably the book that's been dealing with two years has learned how to do it. That was your instinct, Scott? Yeah, I was starting to do it already. So I'm just doing, just on the Braves, I was doing Ronald Acuna stats. So I did his, uh, let's just do the, the two things, his total bases and his RBIs. All right, so why don't we do this? I'm going to set up next week. You can take his out. 
almost with that info. And then, Fez, you can really take us out. All right? So next week, we got a lot of action. That's all we can say. If you, if you haven't listened yet to the first part of this week's pod, it was a smorgasbord of batting. And we're going to finish that off with potential, um, well, I mean, think about all the different things we got going there. We got the fade that we're going to do, the teams or the quarterbacks we're going to fade. Number two, we might end up adding a round or two of, of pro quarterback, meaning positive ones we want. We're going to make the division, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the over-under bets, finish those off that went on for like six weeks. I mean, a lot, a lot. I'm excited a lot of people say, hey, for, oh, and by the way, we're going to go 24 hours later. So Thursday morning release, taping on Wednesday. What do you got going over there, Scotty? The same parlay at DraftKings, plus 170 on Caesars, plus 149. Okay. So that is less payout. So, I mean, I guess in a way, so what's the, but the if we wanted to go, I guess you can't just go the other way with a parlay. Yeah. Okay. So I hope that's not worried. a sign of something. Yeah, or we might be worried there might be you think one they, book might take more vig than the other overall on average. But maybe they're just maybe they're just identifying correlation. I mean, if anything, they're probably going to be skewed more towards over correlating. So if you mm. can find some of those reverse correlations, that would be interesting. Yes. Now I added another pick, uh, which is the, uh, the same again. Now I'm adding another pick, plus two ninety five on DraftKings, plus two eighty on mm. Caesars. I'm going to get out the database and see what are some correlations that maybe aren't as obvious. All right. Anything else, boys? We have best bet from Dave Essler. Oh, well, you know what? We'll have Fez take us out, and then we'll tack that on at the very end. Do it, baby. Hey. Hey. Let's be careful out there over the July 4th weekend. <laughs> we, got, we got Essler, and then stay tuned for next week also. I love it. I bet the Broncos under eight and a half wins. And I know that the perception here is that Denver has to play better than last season and that Sean Payton will make that happen. I love Payton, so do not hear what I'm not saying, but consider this. The Saints had three straight 7-9 seasons, two of those before Michael Thomas, and all of them without Alvin Kamara. Payton won one Super Bowl in 2009, never made it back. In fact, he only reached the NFC Championship game once after that, which would be once in 13 years. All the while, playing in what was a very weak NFC South, he coached in a dome. He had a team built for a dome. Now he's got blizzard warnings for half the season. He's good, but not great. I just don't see it. In Denver, he has Devontae Williams at tailback. He's not Alvin Kamara. In fact, he's coming off knee surgery. The Broncos, they have a decent wide receiver core, not an elite one. They tried to upgrade the draft with taking Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. But every Oklahoma wide receiver looks good on paper. In a passing team, in a, in a in a conference with little to no defense, I guess C.D. Lamb being the exception. And, and then there's the elephant in the room, Russell Wilson. He's going to be 35 this season. He's taken almost 500 sacks in his career. In 11 years, he's only thrown for 4,000 yards four times. Put that in perspective, Kirk Cousins has thrown for 4,000 yards seven of the last eight years. I think the Broncos' one Super Bowl caliber defense is not nearly what it was. Uh, their defense last year admittedly was put in bad situations by their offense, but you don't lose Bradley Chubb and get better. Uh, and aside from playing the Chiefs and the Chargers a combined four games, they got road games at Miami, at Buffalo, at Detroit. 
So they have no margin for error to win nine games. I think their depth is very questionable. If there's any injuries anywhere, they need to win four more games than they did last season for me to lose this bet. And although they've had some upgrades and Peyton, not four games worth. I'm not buying the hype, but I am buying the under.